is hunting optics are a slippery, slippery gosh darn slope. They're very complicated and can be very, very, very expensive. So in this podcast, we're going to just run you through our opinions on optics and uh, kind of go at it from a luxury versus budget side and uh, just teach you some stuff. Look, I don't want to talk. How you try and press the kid and read you was soft. Yeah, what's up, guys? Welcome back again. Um, today, we're going to help you decide on the optics that will work for you. Um, we're just going to kind of go over a bunch of different stuff, what works for us, what we've found to work, the different things that we've tried and, um, kind of what I've settled in on out of all the stuff that I've tried and what I'm using now and how I use it. Um, you keep in mind, not, not all of this stuff is going to work for you and it's not necessarily the perfect setup for different types of hunting. I'm going to describe kind of the hunting that I do with it. Um, I use the same setup, whether I'm backpacking out of the truck, whatever, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that's the perfect setup for you. And the biggest thing I feel like is price point. You know, I mean, not everybody is going to go drop thousands of dollars on optics here. We can, you know, start at the bottom lines, you know, with vortexes, we can go clear to Swarovski's, like whatever that may be, you know? So the price point is where you have to decide how much money you invest in it at the, you know, to get started or where you're at right now, whatever that may be. I personally started out with a lot of Vortex stuff. I became a little disappointed with the quality of it. The spotting scope kept breaking in half on me just with the shaking and a side-by-side and stuff like that. So I have steered away from the Vortex stuff, going more higher end. Um, guiding, I felt like I could justify using it. I use these optics probably four weeks out of the year, though, minimum. So I'm using it a lot more than your, you know, most people go hunt a week a year or something like that. So keep that in mind with the stuff that I have here on the table. Um, Brent's going to be a little bit different of a, a story with that. And you'll, you'll kind of see that in his, his stuff that he has. Yeah. For me, I'm i uh, I'm archery hunting. And so I'm kind of in the process right now, actually, as ironic as it is, I have used normally like a, a just a standalone rangefinder. Um, and then a separate pair of binos, but AJ has some binoculars that have a rangefinder built in. And I always thought in my head, it's like, those probably wouldn't work that well for archery because they're so zoomed in. It'd be hard to range close things, but I feel like it's not that hard. And I feel like it gives me like when I'm ranging, trying to get something with something so small, I feel like it's hard to keep it stable where like with binos, even with one hand, I can keep it I can keep it way more stable. And so I'm I'm in the process right now of switching. I have a pair of uh Vortex 12 by 50s. These are the Diamondback HDs. So AJ would consider them junk. I would consider them sufficient for what I do and for me where we hunt, it's not like huge country and I don't I have like a higher end vortex spotting scope and I end up just using the binos cause I don't feel like it's far enough away in these ravines to really need a spotting scope to need that much zoom. Um, but I feel like if I could eliminate some just complication when it comes to like the, uh, the interaction with the elk and get rid of the actual handheld yardage thing, the range finder, have it all in one package i feel like it just make everything cleaner and easier so i'm kind of in the process of doing that but for me um using these in a setting that 
these do just fine. It's hard for me to uh, justify spending, you know, 10 grand on an optic setup that I'm going to use here and there. Even when I'm hunting, I'm not like, I don't need a 90 power zoom spotting scope that costs 10 grand. So I don't know for me, I'm just on the more budget things. I want to upgrade, but I don't really want to get into something that's too outrageous. Like, but with AJ, he can verify it or justify it because he is a guide and that's where his money counts. So make profit off of it. And that's, that's where you guys have to decide, you know, how much money you want to invest into it. Um, just like Brent said, he's been hunting with these vortex. They were, you know, like 250 bucks and you can literally start with that pair of binoculars and you are going to be just fine. A majority of your hunting, probably you don't need a spotting scope. Um, I love using a spotting scope because I can really see the detail on animals, their antlers and stuff like that. And that's what I'm looking for. But so I need that tool. But if you are just like getting into elk hunting, I don't think you should waste your money on a spotting scope. I think you should probably invest more money into a better pair of binoculars. So I'm going to just, you know, this is a pair, it's a Talon um, Vortex binoculars. And just compared to the Diamondbacks, we were trying them tonight at low light. And it was amazing how much, you know, better these were compared to his. And then I have a, a pair of the Swarovski L ranges, the newest generation of those. And, you know, the difference between these, I didn't think was super big, except for these were much clearer in that lower light. But as far as a price point, I mean, we're talking $400 to $3,000. So is that a jump that you necessarily need to do and have to make? I don't feel like it is. Now you can get the vortexes with a rangefinder and get that same, um, you know, I guess, you know, simplicity of having the rangefinder in it in the Vortex. Um, Brent's looking at a pair of Leicas that is a little bit cheaper than the Swarovskis. Like that is, I think that's the move. If I was to have to have one piece of this equipment, I would definitely have a pair of rangefinding binoculars. I think that's the, the, you know, the simplest, cleanest, best optic you can have because glassing, you can see so much better. It's clear. You got that low light advantage and then you got that rangefinder built in there. I feel like when you're you know, you see an animal and you, you're looking at it, you're watching it through the binoculars. And then if you have to put it down, get your rangefinder, range it, and then, you know, back to binoculars, you're back and forth too much. Where the binoculars, you just click, 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 and then you can know all your stuff. Another really cool feature about the rangefinder binoculars, a lot of them have ballistics in them to where you can put your rifle in it and it'll tell you your MOAs or your, your mail dot, whatever it is that you're shooting. Um, in there so you range it and it'll tell you what you need to dial your scope to that's an awesome feature in them as well it'll tell you you know if you're shooting downhill the angle all that stuff the temperature i mean everything that you need for long range shooting they'll do that as well um but then for archery you know i mean it's i feel like it's just a simpler process so i feel like it's an it's almost like a need for me as a guide it's a need for me to have the the binoculars and the range finder as one that way i can just shoot it and done be you know i can watch and range at the same time and it's less the another thing for me is it's just less movement you know movement is such a critical thing when you're that close to animals so if you got them up you're not moving you're not having to switch to range finder and all that you know as you can see in the video here if you're on youtube i'm moving a lot to do that that so think of that in that way um but obviously it's just going to come back to that price point um so kind of get into this we're going to break down binoculars, spot and scope, and then I've got a camera here that I'm going to talk about a little bit as well that I use similar as a spotting scope. So 
you need to decide what kind of hunting you're going to do. If are you going to be in the trees, you're going to be in tight stuff toward binoculars, do it. Or are you going to be hunting big open desert country, big open range up above timberline, whatever, then you might need that spot and scope. And, um, I'm going to dive into the spot and scopes here a little bit. So right here, I've got a, a Vortec. It's a diamond back. So it's one of the cheap ones. It's a 20 by 60 zoom and it's got a 60 uh, millimeter lens on it. So, it works in low light conditions because it's got a pretty good size lens, but it's not super good in low light conditions, but it's a really, really light. I, I pack this with me. I'll put this in my backpack and this is my pack in spot and scope just in case, you know, I end up, it, you need a spot and scope in low light conditions. That's like a must have to see in low, low light conditions, early, early morning, and late, late at night. And that's when a lot of these bigger animals are moving and that's when I'm needing it. So I packed the spot and scope for that. Now, I also have this Swarovski here, and you can see here it's got an 80 millimeter lens on it. It's much bigger. You can kind of compare the size there if you're on YouTube. Um, I use this more out of the truck, out of the side-by-side, -side, that stuff. Um, I also pack it as well. If I'm only packing, you know, mile, two miles, something like that, I will pack this as well. Just that way, you know, it's a nicer optic. I have it, I'll use it. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, low light, this is so much better, but it's a lot more weight to be packing if you're going really far. So consider that when you're looking at these things. Um, another thing you need to decide on the spotting scopes is a straight or an angle. The straight, I feel like is really nice when you're to find things. It's a lot easier to locate things. The angle, it's kind of a pain in the ass to locate stuff. Um, a lot of people may not know, but on the side of them, there's a a little viewfinder that you can look down and it's just a little pinhole and that it, it goes right along that and you can put that on what you're looking at out there and then it'll be right on the angle so that's a good little tip on those um i really like the angle for just like eye relief um i do, do a lot of glassing when i'm hunting so it's just an easier position for my head you know to be right there or to look down at it etc the looking straight at it. I mean, there's people that say, oh, your heads are up and all this and stuff. So I don't know. I, I find it good with the eye relief. I don't love the angle head, I'll be honest. If I would, could get that spawn scope in a straight, I would probably go to a straight on it. But the deal I could get on that one was, was with the angle. So that's kind of the spot and scope stuff. Um, low light is where you're going to need them. And the bigger the millimeter lens, the better. The 20 by 60 is pretty standard. There's some more zoom on some of them, but that 20 by 60 is more than enough. I can see everything I need to ever with those. Um, the other thing that I pack a lot, and this is where I get spot and scope versus camera. This is a Nikon P900. It's an 83 times optical zoom. Um, you can zoom in on anything a spot and scope can. These things are amazing. They're How much is that camera? It was like, I think they're like 600 bucks now. When I bought it, it was like 500 and 50 or something like that so i think they've run up a little bit but it's really awesome to be able to take pictures and videos and it's so much lighter to pack and then the cool thing is when you have those pictures and videos when you get done at the end of the day you have something to go back and look at not as a document your hunt but like in my case i like to be able to see the animals and i can go back and make sure there's nothing i was missing if it was big enough etc um camera i feel like is awesome where this thing does not work is that low light condition when it starts getting kind of dark or, you know, the sun's just coming up, it's a critical time to make a move. And this thing I can't tell to give you, you know, good definition of what you need to do. But 
if you are, you know, if you're looking to save some money and maybe be able to zoom in a lot more and, you know, you can locate stuff with your binoculars and then be able to see it and get a good picture of video, this is an awesome tool for that. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I took a video tonight. I might try to throw in the YouTube video if possible of the zoom on it. I just zoomed in on a hayfield probably. Gosh, how many miles away do you think that is? Two, probably. Probably at least two miles at as least the crow two. flies. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and it's incredible how it how it zooms. So that's another option for you. It's got a flip around camera, you know, everything. It or lint screen. screen. <laughs> Sorry. It's a flip around screen. So the other really cool thing about it, just I'll finish this up with it. The lens doesn't detach, so you can't get dust or anything between it. That's one of the biggest things with hunting. You get dust with side-by-sides and even just hiking. You get a lot of dust between the lenses, changing lenses. <laughs> this thing is fully self-contained. I have beat the crap out of this camera, and it's like four years running and still doing great. So How are the how are the pictures and the videos that come out of it? Um, so is if it it's really good? far away, you'll get um, the heat waves, which same thing with a spot and scope, you get the heat waves there as well to where the video can be kind of a little iffy way out there. But if you're within like 500 yards of an animal or something, the video is pretty dang good. Um, there is a big brother to this camera. This is a P900 by Nikon. They have a P1000. It shoots 4K at 30 frames per second. So it's decent, I mean, for wildlife and stuff. Um and it's a, a much clearer, better image, but that camera is more expensive than this one. This is definitely a little more entry, and for the way I beat stuff up hunting, I went with the cheaper one. Um, but if you're like, if you get an animal down and you're taking your final like shots with it, this camera takes amazing nighttime pictures. Like it's probably one of the best night, like actual black backdrop picture, like taking cameras. And it's I've got a had. flash on it. Doesn't it's got it? a big flash on yeah. it. So it's great for that. Um, in the daytime, like it takes good clear pictures. It's definitely not a DSLR camera, you know, like it's just not like like what we're shooting on here. It's just not that way. But it, uh, you know, it, it holds its own for that aspect. I feel like in having a multi-tool camera to be a spot and skill picture taker, all that, it's a, a pretty good, good weight saving, I feel like. So that kind of wraps up the spot and scope camera discussion. See, for me, I'm, I mean, I bought a pretty expensive spotting scope but it's like i was telling aj before the podcast it's like i just for me and where we hunt and the style that i hunt i do not i have a real hard time packing a, a spotting scope and a tripod you know doing 15 mile days with it it's just like I don't know if I can justify hauling all that stuff when I have to haul camera stuff and water and everything else. It's heavy. And so sometimes I don't take it. A lot of the times I don't. If I'm going like, if we're in the side-by-side, if we're in the Razor, if we're in the truck, obviously I'm taking it and obviously I'm using it. But when we are hunting, you know, timber, like thicker timber, I won't bring it. If we're like hunting... um close ravines anything that you know a bino would do sufficiently that's what i bring because it is just i just uh i hate carrying those things as then with a tripod it's just a to, i mean to really use it you have to have a tripod you have to have a tripod and yep. so i mean i started carrying them without tripods and just setting them up on my pack and i mean that kind of it's not great it's not steady but i don't know i personally 
most of the time I will carry one, but I just, I'm like, why am I carrying this? Like the amount of times I'm going to use it in a day where we hunt, I just feel like it's not worth the wait. Yep. No, and that's just it. I mean, that's where you got to really decide where you're hunting and it, it has to be for a special use. Another thing is a lot of people struggle doing the one eye thing, you know, I mean, me it, too. It, it, and it, for some reason, yeah. and it will kill your eye doing that. I mean, I'll get mega headaches at the end of the day, you know, from straining so hard doing that. So one eye can definitely be a challenge. Binoculars definitely a lot better for a lot of people having both eyes open and everything. It's a much, much easier thing if you're not pretty well trained with your eyes. The idea that I like about having a spotting scope and, and the, uh, tripod is if you have one of those, um, adapters for your phone then oh. you can get like a really steady shot of what are those phone, phone scopes scope. yeah put that on there in the adapter and then you can like take a video through the spotting scope with your phone i like that idea um but for me it's 90 percent of the time when we get into the elk i'm not even in binos i'm not in anything except a camera because that's normally my role when we go out so I don't know. I'm more of a camera guy instead of a spotting yeah. scope guy. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And that's that's just fine, you know. And that's where you guys really have to decide. Obviously, price point. I feel like you drop that spot and scope pretty easy. That saves you a lot of money. You can put maybe more money into your binocular setup or, you know, your camera setup, whatever that may be, whatever more of your passion along, you know, goes with there. But if you truly do like spot and scopes and you want to be able to look out there a long ways and or you need to look out there a long ways, Maybe it is worth spending some money for that better spawn scope, so you got a little more eye relief and uh, you know a better, clearer picture while you're out there that that far. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about binoculars. I don't feel like I talked a bunch on that. Um, there's different sizes of binoculars, so these are ten by forty twos, and what that is is the magnification is ten. So that's ten so, times closer than the eye would see. Yep, zoom, and then the forty two. I believe is the size of the optical view. And I think that's double. So 42, it's, you know, it would be 21 millimeter per side, I believe is how they do that. So that's what that does for you is that once again, like spot and scope allows how much light comes in. So in those really, really low light situations, which it seems to be always low light. You're always like. battling that. Yeah. yeah. So like if you have a pair of 10 by fifties, it's going to let in more light than a, 10 by 42 so in that low light situation no matter what it's going to be better i have found the 10 by 42s to be my all-around just go-to um binocular i like the size of them the lightweightness of them and then once again it's got the range finder and i don't think they have it in the 50s um but that's definitely something you'd want to consider if you're not a spot and scope person maybe you get a pair of you know the cheaper vortex in a pair the 12 or 15 power you know something like that maybe you have a little more zoom with the binoculars you have a yeah cheap so that's what i have i have 12 by 50s and honestly i was like my eyes are kind of not great sometimes so i was like having more zoom is probably a good idea and then having a you know a 50 what is that millimeter yeah i don't even know yeah, whatever it is yep um millimeter. it's gonna let more light in the problem with that that you have to think about is the more you have the narrower your field of view gets so sometimes it's harder to spot elk because yep. instead of seeing a or deer or whatever instead of seeing the whole hillside you're seeing a portion of the hillside and so if i'm gonna in my next pair of binos i i don't think i'll get the 12 by 50s i think i'll get the, the 10 by 42s um, I just think they're easier to spot stuff in. And then I'm definitely 
want the rangefinder. Yep. Well, and that's just like him in that situation. You know, he's going to get a pair of 10 by 42s, but he's going to keep that set there. And I'll, I mean, when he's packing in a long ways, I'll bet he's not taking them. But if he, you know, does above t- uh, timberline hunt or something like that, I guarantee those will probably be in his pack. Then, you know, it's just, you never get rid of this stuff. It seems like it always just sits on the shelf and you, you always find a use for it. Mm-hmm. Um, a little tip on binoculars the eye cups back here. I run them one click out. That's where I seem to have the my most eye comfort with me. I have a lot of eye problems with um, allergies. My eyes swell up. So that's where that's where I find the most relief for my eyes there. Um, but if you have never done this, adjust them all the way out or some a lot of people like them adjusted all the way out and it makes your view really small. I like to run these all the way in and that gives you a much bigger view. They put these eye cups on there to run out, but it's kind of the new age thing. Run that thing all the way in. It might take you some getting used to, and you kind of got to hold it like off your forehead a little bit to see, but give it a try, and you're going to have a much bigger view. Um, that's a little little tip there. You know, try that. That, and I feel like just spotting, it makes it a lot easier when you, you have that. So much. you're saying to do one click out or do it all the way in? I do it all the way in is where it's the best. But if you're one click out, that's where I find my most eye relief because I just I've, I don't have to hold it like completely tight to my eye and I, I can keep a little distance between my skin and, and the binoculars to where it's not wearing on it all day. Um, so I think that kind of brings up all the the binocular stuff, spot and scope, spot and scope stuff, cameras. The other thing that I'm gonna get into, and I use this with the camera and the tripod or the camera, the spotting scope, and then sometimes I will put my binocular on this to steady up. Now this is a window mount here. So this will adjust onto your window of your pickup, your ranger, whatever, and then you can clip in. Now what I recommend with this is you get a tripod that has the same face system as your window mount. If you switch one or the other, you need to switch the other one to be the same or have an adapter or something. This way you have one mounting plate on all your spotting scopes, your camera, everything. That way it's all interchangeable really fast and easy. So once again, window mount, tripod, keep them the same, and that's going to simplify your life a lot. Um, and just it gives you more versatility using your optics. It's, if it's easy to use it, you seem to use it. So that's something I do. Another big thing is fluid heads. This is not a fluid head, but I highly, highly recommend a fluid head. If you're using a good expensive um, spot and scope or camera, use a fluid head. It's well worth the money. It's just going to improve your experience a lot better, especially if you're videoing. It's just a lot more smooth and you can get a lot better content that way. And then if you're using a spot and scope, you can just see that much better with it because you can actually move. It's not jerky or anything like that. I've gotten really lucky with this setup. It's a Vanguard. Um, I believe it's actually a Cabela's edition of some sort. But it so it's, with the with the fluid head, what it has is it has is it oil. There's a fluid. I mean, obviously it's called a fluid head, but yep. there's fluid that you can adjust how easily it goes through, Correct. and so you can get a different, um, basically a different like strength of movement. And so it's not like all or nothing. Like most tripods, if you loosen them up, you know the thing's all wonky and it goes crazy. With a fluid head, um. You know, if you're into like videography or photography or whatever, they use those with cameras a lot. And what it is is you're able to move it and it'll stay without like being all jerky. It's real smooth. And so when you're zoomed in a long ways, then you can get that nice smooth like like he's talking about. If you're using a phone scope, it's great for video. But even just to your eye, you can 
move smoother and glass hillsides better. Yep. And that's exactly what it is. It's like a hydraulic fluid in it and it works just like a shock absorber on your vehicle. It's got that fluid in there and it moves through it. It's kind of a ball and it, the fluid has to move through it instead of a shock going this way, it spins on it. And that's how it creates that smooth transition. It's like drag. Yeah. It's got a little drag on it. Exactly. Yep. So the last thing I want to bring in for you guys is something a lot of people don't do and they're kind of scared to do it and it's cleaning your optics, optic care. This is a super important topic and something I don't think a lot of people do and I'm willing to bet Brent probably never has. No, nope. I just leave them in the dirt. I am big on protecting my stuff. I have a huge investment in this stuff. I have cases on all my spotting scopes. Um, I put the camera in a case that goes in my backpack. You know, everything is encased, not only to keep the dust off of it, but to have a little bit of cushion with, you know, your backpack slant, you sit down and you slam against a rock or anything like that. You got a little bit of protection against it. Yes, they have warranties, but if it breaks when you're using it, you spent all that money and it's broken when you need it the most. So that's something you got to think about. Have protection on your stuff. Always use your lens caps, have your dust covers on. It's super important. Some now the cleaning aspect. I don't know what it's called, but they have the little air cans to like spray your keyboards off on your computer. Oh, dusters. The dusters. Yeah. That is something you don't want to do high pressure. You don't want to go out to your air compressor, 125 PSI, and psh, blow them off because that can pop the, the rubber and the O-rings and stuff. So don't do that. Use the duster to blow the dust off. That gets the, the stuff off. You can take that to camp with you. And, you know, you can always blow that dust off, especially side-by-sides. It's important that you get that dust off so you can, you know, see good. It's clear for you. So have one of those at camp with you. You can always blow them off, whatever you need to. Um, and then the other thing is when you're – so that's like at camp you can use that. When you're in the field, have a pin. This is in my vinyl harness all the time. It's got on this end a little um, felt thing for cleaning the glass – if you get a finger smudge or, you know, you're drinking a soda and you spill a little bit on your eye cup because you don't have it in your vinyl harness or whatever, that can get that off of there. Now, then on the other side, you have a brush. You can just hold them upside down and brush the dust off of it. So in the field, if it gets really dusty or something like that, you can just brush that dust off and then it'll help you see a lot better. Have one of these in your pack. They're five bucks. This is a Leopold brand. I got it from Murdoch's have one of these with you at all times it will help you i guarantee it that you will hit a situation whether it's a rifle scope binoculars spot scope whatever that will save you someday i promise um so we got that we got the blowing back at camp and this is something i do every year before season and sometimes if you're doing multiple seasons you do it multiple times because stuff just gets dirty don't be afraid to take and fill your sink with water and put a little bit of soap. Now I use Dawn dish soap and I'll just put a little dab on the glass and I'll get them wet and I'll get a dab on the glass and I'll just scrub it with my finger. Now make sure you don't have any like rough oh, pieces. I thought you were going to say just throw them in there. <laughs> I was going to be like, oh, <laughs> no, wow. no, definitely not that. But these are, these are completely sealed. They have nitrogen inside. So they are completely sealed. So that nitrogen is always pushing out on the glass and everything. And if they were leaking, you would it would be very foggy. So if they're leaking, they may fill with water. If it's foggy, it'll probably fill with water. Don't do it. But otherwise, don't be afraid to stick these in the sink. 
scrub them down, get the dust off the texture, maybe take a little light brush, get the dust out of your texture. Never put the brush on the lens. Use just a little dab of Dawn and just rub it with your finger and it'll get all those smudges, the grease, the soda, the coffee, the everything that gets on them off of there. And start every season with clean optics. It's worth it. And then, you know, if you need to do it again afterwards or put them to bed for the summer, you know, clean, do that. I'm really bad about doing that. Once I'm done, I just throw them in the safe and it's over with. Um, Another thing it does is you're, you're always in the sagebrush, you're in the grasses, you're in the dust, everything. It holds that stuff in the rubber and that stuff will irritate your eyes. So get that stuff off of it. That is something that I have to do because I have sensitive eyes to it. So I clean those eye cups actually daily with an alcohol swab. That way it just minimizes that the irritation to my eyes. But if you do that yearly, it'll at least help you, you know, maybe cause some less irritation to your eyes as well. Um, so don't be afraid to use some water, a little bit of Dawn on the lens. It isn't going to hurt them. It's not going to affect the way they function, anything like that. Be sure and do that. Um, I think that's, uh, pretty much all I got on, on optics here. Yeah. That's about all I got. Yeah. Great job. Great for great job informing all of yeah. us. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that helps some of you guys. I, you know, that's, that's just my take on it. That's the stuff that I use. Um, it's a lot. I have, you know, obviously this other pair of binoculars that sits in the truck all the time. I got this pair of binoculars that's in my vinyl harness. I got the spot and scope that's in my pack all the time. I got the spot and scope that's in the truck. And then sometimes I'll interchange those spot and scopes. And then the camera goes with me all the time, no matter what. I just have to have the camera with me, I feel like. So that's the that's the setup I use guiding and hunting myself. And hopefully that uh, gives you guys some insight and will help you in your decisions. So till next time, see ya. Thanks, fellas.